The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Good morning. It's been a weekend of disruption. COVID-19 has been forcing postponements in the Premier League on an almost daily basis over the past week. Six games have fallen by the wayside, which were due to be played yesterday and today, including Everton-Leicester, which was supposed to kick off right now. As things stand, we do have three games scheduled for later today. Now, the only match that did get played yesterday saw Arsenal strengthen their grip on fourth spot with a convincing 4-1 win over Leeds at Ellen Road. Gabriel Martinelli chipping in with a brace. Mikel Arteta saying afterwards it doesn't get much better than three wins in a week. And so too today, Spurs are in action for the first time in a couple of weeks. They welcome Liverpool to North London, who've lost just once in 25 games this season. Should be a good one, this kickoff on Peacock is at 11.30. Now, before that at 9, two matches featuring the other two title challengers. Manchester City come to St. James's Park to face Newcastle, who are second bottom and still struggling under Eddie Howe. That game is on NBCSN. While over on USA Network, stuttering Chelsea go to Molyneux. It's foggy there as well. Thomas Tuchel won't want the four-point gap between them and the top getting much bigger. So a victory for the Blues today is imperative. Quick look then at how this decimated weekend is panning out. Just that 4-1 win for Arsenal yesterday. Everton Leicester is off today. Three games, as I say, as things stand, are taking place. Well, welcome inside our Premier League on NBC studio. I'm Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Earl, Tim Howard alongside me. I say three games are taking place. One, though, was under a little bit of danger. The Telegraph reporter Ben Rumsby this morning reporting that Chelsea have had a request to have their game against Wolves today postponed, rejected by the Premier League. The request was turned down this morning. And it could force Chelsea to have players on the bench who are struggling for fitness later on this afternoon. We know that within the Chelsea camp, there are COVID cases and there are injuries as well. Thomas Tuchel clearly not wanting to play the game today. The Premier League, gentlemen, saying no, the game is to go ahead. Robbie we talked a lot about this yesterday. As things stand 24 hours on from our first conversation, Mm -hmm. where are you with regards what the Premier League should do? What they're doing right now, which is judging on a case-by-case basis, or decide, let's take a break. 
Well, I am, Nebecca. Um, six games um, of this match week are postponed. I think we are on a day-by-day assessment, almost a game-by-game assessment. Um, I think if we can get through today, if all three games are completed, I think that's a positive sign. I think that kind of would reinforce, and we know there's a meeting uh, tomorrow, I believe, with owners, with, with, with managers, with, with captains of football clubs. I think there will be... A, a drive to continue the league as much as we can. We're going to lose the odd games along the road, but if we can keep the league going, I think that's the best option where we are right now. The problem, of course, is not losing the odd game, it's losing six games mm. like we have yeah. done at the moment so yeah. far this weekend. That meeting tomorrow that the Premier League mm. are calling a catch-up, as Robbie says, with the clubs, with the stakeholders and with the players and the, and the mm. captains and the managers... Do you think the general consensus will be to keep going? Or do you think, depending Mm. on the circumstances of each club Mm -hmm. and their place at the table Mm -hmm. and their form, Mm -hmm. that there might be some difference of opinions? There would definitely be difference of opinions. I think right now, as Robbie said, the road that we're going on, it it works. Case by case is how how the Premier League is taking it. That's how they should. My gut feeling, my gut instinct is that after this match weekend, there will be that review and they'll look to do either stop, start, holistically in terms of the whole group. Um, also, what, what does the U.K. government do? We know the Premier League and the U.K. government are also oftentimes in lockstep. So that, you know, stay tuned. That, that looks like that's coming down as well. So uh, up until this point, the Premier League has handled it flawlessly. They have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. Even Chelsea today, well, you know, they clearly wanted the game off. Premier League said no, and it should go on. The UK government, by the way, rumours are at the moment in the United Kingdom that the country will be put into a lockdown enforced by the government after Christmas for two weeks. That is not confirmed. But as of now, Tim, that is the rumour. Now, let's look at it from the players today. There are six teams who are trying to prepare for the game. Of course, the Chelsea players will probably have known that they put in a request for it to be off. So now it's actually on, yet they will have known that it might have been off how, as a player, are you getting prepared for a game with all of this going on? Well, there's two sides to it. Not, not brilliantly. Uh, you know, the players will have known that it was going to be off or, or asked to be off yesterday. You know, we looked at the Arsenal team who traveled up to Leeds. All these games got canceled. They're thinking they're waking up in the morning having their pre-match meal thinking, is our game going to be off? It's not ideal preparation. That being said, when we look at the last 18 months, two years, these players have been through it all. So they have handled these type of situations before. Will they be 100% fully focused? Probably not, but we've also seen that they can do it. The problem, amongst many problems, Mm -hmm. is that you can't get away from thinking about the integrity of this game. No. Because Chelsea are not in great form, and they've got some injury problems as well as COVID. So no wonder Tuchel doesn't want the game Mm -hmm. on. Health and safety of of everybody around the football club and the fans is the most important thing. After that, Rebecca, to be honest, comes self-preservation. What what you're doing in the league, each club will have their own view as, as to what is important. I think it's, it's interesting what Tim says about players. I think uncertainty is not a good thing. You don't want to go into a game, don't know if you fit, don't know if the game's on. The other the area I think it just came up to me was, was managers. Pep Guardiola was possibly going to have to miss the game this week. He, he had a negative test and now is uh, uh, fine. But the integrity of, of, of a game when Pep Guardiola isn't on the side for Manchester City in a big game that they want to win... That is an effect that I think has to take into consideration. So 
it's such a, a complex virus, it's so complicated, the Premier League schedule at the moment. It absolutely is causing so much disruption. Now, away from COVID for a second, some disappointing news to bring you coming out of yesterday's match at Ellen Road. You can see here Rob Holding in the yellow vest talking to match officials. This was during the game. He was reporting allegations of racial abuse coming from a Leeds fan aimed at the Arsenal bench. Now, after the game, police confirmed they'd made an arrest and the club made this statement that, quote, racism will not be tolerated at Leeds United and any supporter found to be using racist language language will be subject to a lifetime ban for all Leeds United games. Really disappointing news there coming out of Ellen Road yesterday, but an arrest has been made. Gabriel, well done. A, a brilliant attacking performance from the team. Very good from you as well. How good was it all round, especially going forward? It was a very good result. Uh, it was away and uh, it's so important for the team, of course. Uh, all the team played well and yeah, we are so happy with the work and the result as well. Did you feel like you were dangerous as a team every time you went forward, especially first half? Yeah, this is what Mikel asked to us. Uh, every time we go to the final third, we need to, to be dangerous. How important was Alexander Lacazette in that, dragging the centre-halves deep and giving you space to drive into? He's so good in that. Uh, he always attracts the the centre-back and I have the chance to go in behind and we are we are doing it well. Yeah, so how confident are you feeling in front of goal right now? Two very different but really nice finishes. I was a great pass from Granite and yeah, thanks to him as well and yeah, was two good goals. Yeah. Did you especially enjoy the second one, little dink? Yeah, not just me, I think the, the whole team. Is it really fantastic to be part of that youthful forward attacking players behind Lacazette yourself, Saka, Smithrow, Erdegaard, so much talent all improving together. Yeah, as I always say, we have a, a young team but a very strong team, uh, very good players and uh, you saw today Emil came, came from the bench and scored another goal and I'm so happy uh, for the team and for him as well. Well done on your goals. Man of the match as well, named by Gary Neville. Thank you. Well done. Alexander, a brilliant performance by a young attacking Arsenal team, helped by their more experienced captain. What did you make of it overall, particularly in an attacking sense? Uh, honestly, the game plan of the coach was good. and For me, the way he wanted us to play was perfect for me, so I could uh, come short and create space for, the, for, the, um, for Gabi and uh, Bukayo on the side and as well Martin. And uh, as well, because they're intelligent and they understand the games, they could use the, the space. So just give us a bit more on that game plan. It evolved, I think, or evolved a lot around you being selfless, dropping short and, like you said, leaving that space for the, the wide players. Yeah, yeah. I always I like to come short and play with the, the midfielder to link with them. And um, when we have the possibility, we can find the guys in behind, so... Today it work and we score like this as well, so it's good. Does it work really well against Leeds because they like to go man-to-man? -man. So sometimes you're making runs and coming deep and you're a decoy. You know you're not going to get the ball. Yeah, I know that my run going to make space for them, help the others to, to, to score or to play. So I think we need each other to, to create chances and to score goals. And uh, today it's happened, so I'm happy. So how exciting are these young players around you? Your Smith Rose, Martinelli today, Saka, Odegaard. How highly do you rate that? They're really, really place? good. They're really young, good young. Um, the club is right to trust to the to these players, 
and uh, I'm happy to, to play with them uh, every day. A bit of a different role for you, especially now you're captain, you're using your experience, little words of advice, is it part of that moment, step that happens in your career? At the moment I'm the captain because uh, it's just this period, then after the coach is going to talk properly about who is going to be the main one. Uh, uh, honestly, I don't change the way I am with everyone. I'm still the same years, years after years, and everything is, is fine. Do you enjoy having that responsibility? Do you enjoy having the armband? Uh, I say the same. Yes, obviously, to wear it uh, in a game is always a bonus, but if I don't have it, it's not, it's not bad. Is it a little bit tricky for you because of the way you've sort of inherited the armband, what's happened with uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Uh, yeah, years. a bit. Uh, but then I'm still good with him. He's good with me. We're still uh, in contact. Everything is fine between us. So it's good. Well, Mikel uh, Alexander Lacazette said, "Brilliant game plan from the." Let me start again. So I said, "Pan." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, Mikel, Alexander Lacazette said, brilliant game plan from the coach. Do you accept the compliment? I said great performance from the lads. And because they are the ones that play, they have to execute it against a team that uh, is very uncomfortable to play against. And um, I'm really glad the way they played three games in a week, three wins, very physical games as well. And um, I'm really pleased. Like you say, Leeds have a style that can make you very uncomfortable. But was the game plan in a way to exploit the way they play, particularly the way they come man to man. Yeah, obviously we we had uh, some intentions with the ball uh, and understanding how they were going to try to to avoid us playing and, and coming through uh, things that we could exploit. But but again, I think the players understood the game really well and we were really effective with a real threat. And um, in the first half, we were really really good. Does Lacazette to make that work today? Does he have to be really selfless, making runs knowing he's not going to get the ball? allowing the wide guys to dive in. That's what I said the other day, that he's a very unselfish player, but he has a big talent, which is that he makes the people around him better. And uh, Gavi scored twice, and Bukayo scored, and Emile scored, but um, he's the one. You're talking about the list of scorers there, all young players. I mean, it doesn't always work, I suppose, with young players. You have ups and downs, but how exciting is it when you see something like that? They play so well, and it's not just on the night. You know how much room there is for growth. They are affecting games, and that's the most difficult thing in football, um, to be participating in the goal sheet. And uh, they are doing that consistently, and they are helping the team a lot. So how big a step is Martinelli taking at the moment? Huge, but that's why you have to prepare a player. You cannot throw a player there when, when you think he's not ready. And, um, and Gabi has made the right steps and he's evolving in the right direction. He's still a huge potential and the ceiling is I don't know where because he has so much still to improve and um, he's very humble and works hard and he puts his end down. And when that happens and his big passion in life is football, I think good things are going to happen to him. So for the team, how big a week's it been? Terrific, because obviously after the defeat you want a reaction, and uh, not only a reaction in terms of performance, but results as well. And um, I think we deserve the three wins, and, and I'm really pleased. So you've dealt with it very firmly. The team have played well without him. Does Aubameyang now come back into the thinking? Again, Aubameyang wasn't involved today uh, for today's game, and um, let's see. At some point, though, Mikel, I, I understand you, you can't give everything away, but at some point, does this get explained a bit more fully to the Arsenal fans? 
It can be. I try to be as clear as possible. And there is a privacy matter as well that I have to respect. And uh, I always don't. And from my side, um, this is where you get it. Uh, you've talked a lot about wanting more clarity with regard to COVID. You've played on this week with a number of positive cases amongst the staff, some to the players. You've had to shut the training ground for a day as well. Are you happy now to keep going with the, th- the way things are? Well, if everybody's healthy and the authorities, Premier League, government think that we have to carry on, um, we will. We always follow the guidelines. When they told us you have to stay at home, it was to stay at home. Then it was the vaccination and we got uh, vaccinated. Now is play as you can. We play as we can. And uh, I'm sure that they would have the right intentions and, and they will make the, the best decision for everybody. Do you have a little bit of concern, though, given that you... Ha- played on the opening day at Brentford with a number of positive cases. Your concern seems to be consistency. Is that fair? Yeah, because that's what we want, that we all play under the same rules, you know. And whether we are affected or not, we are affected in the same way. And if that's the case, I think everybody's going to accept to play that way. But uh, that's what I think they have to come forward and explain really what we expect uh, from them. What do you think needs highlighting or more transparency? Do the clubs need to say, this is how many players we got vaccinated, this is how many positive cases we've got does that sort of thing need to be public whatever they decide is better and maintains the fairness on the competition uh, if it's a number it's a number if it's whatever um, but that has to be explained okay okay. I just need to go back to something uh, from the 33rd minute I think mm-hmm. of the game today uh, Rob Holding or, or your bench reported an incident something directed at uh, your substitutes as they warmed up what can you tell us about the action you've taken and what happened? That, that incident existed, unfortunately, and uh, it was reported, and the stadium manager will have to deal with that uh, with the authorities. That, um, I have nothing more to say. OK, can, can I ask? I, I feel it's important to be as accurate as possible on this. It was racist abuse directed yes. at one of your players? OK. How, how disappointing is that? Very disappointing because we've done so much in football to try to avoid that but um, it's a single person you know and then I don't think that merits uh, that a full stadium to pay the price of that it was a single incident it has to be reported it was reported and now the authorities will have to work with the clubs uh, to try to understand what happened thank you thank you very thanks much. Michael. well as we told you at the top of the show that report has now led to an arrest Uh, from the police after that alleged racist abuse towards the Arsenal substitute. So Arsenal very much strengthening their grip on fourth spot. They now have a four-point gap between them and West Ham, albeit they've played a game more, and they're five points off Chelsea there in third. That's how the top half is looking. Leeds languishing, for really want of a better word. They have played the most number of games in that bottom half by quite some distance if you compare Leeds' 18 with Burnley's 15 and they have just a five-point cushion between themselves and the bottom three. And we're going to start with Leeds mm. United, Robbie Earl, because yeah. Marcelo Bielsa, after the game again, having to feel questions mm. about his future 11 goals conceded yeah. this week across yeah. just two games. Mm. And they're not just marginal defeats. These are big defeats that he doesn't seem to be taking any action to try Mm. to change. Yeah, and and this guy has been one of the great coaches in world football, um, but he's not immune to criticism. He shouldn't be that stubborn that he's coming to the Premier League and is wedded to one way of playing. Um, The the fans and the players will still be behind him very much, and I don't think there's a sacking in in the offering, but he needs to change Rebecca. Thomas Tuchel came into to, to English football with Chelsea and changed them and got clean sheets that, that 
got them, won them the, the Champions League. Antonio Conte's come into to, to this league, who's won titles, who's changed Spurs to make them more defensive. Mm. Marcelo Bielsa has got to change Leeds' way. At the moment, you could drive a bus through Leeds' defensive um, central def- mid- defenders. Mm. There's so much space because people are just now being move the centre half out. He's going to go man to man, and then we get runners through the middle. It happened six, seven times yesterday against us. They could have been. Four or five nil down in the first half. Yeah. So at some point, Rebecca, it's got to change because what will happen, and I think it's a point that, that Tim wants to make, the belief from the players will start to go. A manager puts you in a good place and you're winning, you love him. A manager puts you in a bad place and you're losing, hmm, start to question. Well, as things stand, they're on course mathematically to not avoid relegation. They're on course to go down, if you look mm. at the maths, from the amount of goals they're scoring, the amount of goals they're conceding, and the games that they are not winning. I heard a Leeds fan on the radio yesterday say, look, I love Bielsa, mm. but I want to stay in the Premier mm-hmm. League, and I would rather an Allardyce, and he said that, <laughs> not me, <laughs> Sam Allardyce, come to Ellen Road yeah. and keep us up after 16 years out yeah. of this promised yeah. land, than Bielsa take us down, but we play kamikaze, mm. lovely football. Your thoughts, Tim? My thoughts are that there's a saying, pride comes before the fall. And I, and I, and I agree with you, Robbie. I think he shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be in line for sacking. But there is no plan B. You know, you saw Click, who's been, by the way, one of his best players, get hauled off. He wasn't happy about it, but, which is fine. Mm-hmm. We talked about Calvin Phillips earlier in the season. They asked him a question. Why did the manager move you to center half? He said, I don't know. So his, one of his senior players doesn't know why he got moved. Somerville gets subbed on, subbed off yesterday. There's a lot of things here. He asked more of his players than any outside of Jurgen Klopp physically than any team in the Premier League. I mean, at a certain point, these players are going to they're going to be gassed out. They're going to not have anything left. They're going to say for what? So we can lose four, one, seven, nil. He's got to be very, very careful how he handles this group right now. Arsenal, against mm. the big teams, have problems. But against the likes of Leeds United, they're yeah. showing that they are at the moment best of the rest, Robbie. How, how confident are you, you they can keep that up? I was looking last night, back because I was really impressed with, with Arsenal yesterday. It, it felt like a grown-up performance by mm. some young players. We had a little clip um, yesterday in the highlights where one of the Leeds players got injured and all the Arsenal players were motivating themselves, focusing, pointing and mm. talking. Game management looks like it, it's become an, an important part. Last season, Christmas Day, Arsenal were 15th in the Premier League, four points above relegation. This season, they look like they could be fourth in the table, five points behind Chelsea. There is progress being made, and these players are mature. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. During. Big Rom, let's go. <laughs> let's go. How's things good? Good, 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 bro. Millions of reasons why Romelu Lukaku is expected to deliver. That's the badge for which he now plays. And a wonderful finish from Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku, delightful. He cannot stop scoring. Ram, how are you, man? It's so good to see um, you, brother. It's, it's been good a while. to see you, brother. It's good to see you. It's very good to see you, man. I'm so happy. 
Well, you are looking. You're looking well. Let's jump. Let's jump right in. Um, let's coming go, off bro. the injury, you're back now. Yeah. How, how are yeah. you doing overall? How are you feeling overall? Um, you know me, like mentally with injuries, I don't really like to be injured. You know, I'm like a bit moody and stuff. But uh, you know, it was something. You know, it was a contact injury, so it was a very, very bad tackle. But um, at the end of the day, I think uh, it was just about getting my confidence back, running and stuff. You know, like try to set my my foot and trying to push off um that was really like the last part that was really bothering me but i think now the last two weeks i've been flying in in in, in training every day so you know i'm just waiting for my opportunity obviously the team was doing well while i was injured so you know i have to give credit to the players but you know i'm a fighter so you know every day i try to work hard and wait for that opportunity to play and at the end of the day when it comes you know i think i'm i'm gonna take it for sure that's good to hear. We, we like we like seeing that big smile from you. Uh, <laughs> before the season, your last appearance for Chelsea was 2013. You had eight years away. I, I'm someone who, who who doesn't always think it's better to go home, but yeah. in certain cases that works. What what were when you come back full circle now, coming back to Stamford Bridge? What were the key factors that led you back? Obviously, I think. Uh... Trying to win the, the the Premier League was something that was on my mind. I mean, you know me like I, that was that's been my goal since since the youngest age. That you know the fact that you know when uh, we were at Everton together that we didn't win bothered me like as well because then I went to Manchester United and there we didn't win as well. I went to Italy and uh, yeah, there I won. So like I was t- telling myself like that's it still was inside of me that, you know what, like I want to win in England because I've been here for, from 18 till 26. And, you know, you put all those numbers up, but then there is nothing to, you know, to celebrate with it, you know. And that was something that was bothering me for all those years. That was the, really the main motivation, I thought, for myself. You know, the only team that I would leave uh, 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 Inter for was Chelsea. And then, you know, like I, I, I had the talks you know, in the summer before with other teams and stuff like that, but I didn't want it. And then when Chelsea came over the summer, I mean, you know, I was thinking a little bit, you know, you always have to analyze the situation. And, uh, yeah, that thing inside of my head that was saying, like, you know, you have to try. You have to try to win, try to win in England. And, yeah, I mean, the opportunity came. And, you know, 28, entering my prime years, I think it was the best opportunity for me. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing, I love a lot of things about you, though, but the one thing that stands out is that that drive and that hunger every day in training with the national team, with your club team, and I appreciate the fact that you won the title last year in Serie A, and now you have unfinished business. You talked about, you know, when you were 18 years old, you first got to Chelsea in 2011. How would you compare the kid that came over from Belgium to the man we see now pulling on that blue shirt? Talk to me about that evolution. Uh, You know, when I was uh, from 18 until... 2024, 20, I was really kind of raw, you know. I was more like, you know, like playing, like pure instinct, like power, pace, you know, like out of nowhere, like try to bully people all, all over. But then, you know, when I went to Italy, like, I have to say I was a bit shocked because the spaces were not the same. Like everything was very tight. You go from, from this to this. So then you will talk about real skill into tight spaces. A lot of times back to goal. A lot of times you get like uh, one chance a game. So you have to be very efficient as well. 
So then, you know, my brain started working. And so for the first three months when I was in Italy, like I was like doing okay, but still struggling because I had to adapt myself because every game you play against five defenders and then three holding midfielders in front of them. So you really have to think, you know, when you get the pass, you can't like miss your touch and stuff like that. So for three months, I was there like working every single day. So I think that was the last aspect that I had to add to my game to start really dominating games like how I wanted to. Because then instead of only running into the space, now I can hold the ball back to goal. And then from there, I can dictate the play and everything slows down. With experience, like it's crazy, but I started analyzing situations like this. And then that helped me like try to uh, score more goals and also give more assists, you know, trying to be really like the ultimate team player. So um, that was the thing that I missed. And once I added that to my game, now for me, like the game slows down all the time. I can go into the space if I want to. I can hold the ball up. I can do whatever. Whatever what the coach wants me to do, I can do it. There were times at Everton that Martinez, remember, Martinez used to ask me some kind of stuff, but like I was like, yo, <laughs> that's not my thing, you know? You remember? So I think now, I think I'm very happy that I made that step because it made me more complete of a player. Um, outside the field, like, you know, you become more professional because those dudes, like, we had full days at the training ground. We would get there at 12 and leave at 6. So really the dedication over there was much more than, than I was used to over here. So mentally it made me very strong that, you know, to get what you want to get, you really have to sacrifice, and I really appreciated it. Well, listen, you've been in trouble for a lot of defenders, so adding that, adding that layer to your game is, is only going to continue to heighten it and get you to where you need to be, clearly. Um, mm-hmm. When I look at you and I, I had the good pleasure of playing with you at Everton for three seasons. Uh, we became yeah. really good friends over that time, okay. and you still are. I'm just curious, you were on loan at West Bromwich, you were on loan at Everton, and then at a certain point, you you you, you said, "Look, hey, Chelsea's in the rearview mirror now. I've got to move forward." And you signed permanently yeah. with Everton, which is our biggest ever signing in our history. Yeah. How was that period for your overall growth? It was important because I wanted a place where I can settle down. You know, I was at uh, at West Brom on loan at nineteen. I I came to you guys at Everton at twenty. Yeah, and you know, I was putting up good numbers for a young kid like that. You know what I mean? And it was like um, over the summer, me and Jose Mourinho, we always had like that honest relationship. But it was like, you know, it could be love, but then sometimes very confrontational. But I liked it, you know, because at the end of the day, you tell each other the truth. So I remember Diogo Costa signing for Chelsea after he was killing it at Atletico. So I was like, well, here we go. Like, I don't want to play second fiddle like that. You know, I, I need to play. So then, you know, uh, Martinez and, and, and Bill Kenwright, you know, uh, the chairman, like they made the effort to get me at Everton. And that's where I was like, you know what, I'm a young player. Everton, you know, has the reputation of, you know, giving young players an opportunity if they do well. You know, we had Ross who's here with me, John Stones, you know, and also like, and the good, like, you know, the, the, the older clique, you, Leighton Baines, Sylvan Distan. Phil Jagielka, Seamus Coleman, who was also fairly young at the time. And we had just a, a, a great bond all together, you know. And yeah. till this day, I regret that we didn't win like a cup or something because we could have done it. Like maybe like the first year or the second year, like we could have done. Or maybe the third year as well, we could have done it. So, um, yeah, it was a bit uh, like a thing, like that stain that's left. But in the meantime, 
from my progression as a young kid at the time, it was the best. It was nah. the best thing to do. Yeah, you talked about you talked about Roberto Martinez there and Jose Mourinho. You're playing for another brilliant manager, and and I feel like Thomas Tuchel hasn't done a lot of things wrong since he's come in. He's like the puppet master. Everything you know, he's never too proud. If he makes a substitution he doesn't like or a lineup he he puts out he doesn't like, he'll change it. He always gets that desired effect. What? Yeah. What's been the secret to his success? Because we see it on the outside. I think um, he can uh, he adapts really quick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's not scared to make bold decisions. You know what I mean? If he, if he feels that, you know, a player doesn't fit for that particular game and he, he might have done well for two, three games, but he feels like, okay, that player for that game, I don't know. He would make that decision. But I think he will own up to it as well. So that's, that's something, you know, you got to respect, you know, because, you know, being a coach in these days, if you, if you don't have character, it's difficult. You know, also like now that like the, the, the younger players now, they have more personality than, you know, me and Ross had back in the day. You know, yeah. we were like we were like outspoken, but very quiet at the same time. Maybe you when you started, young, young guys didn't have anything to Correct. say, you know, right. and now times are changing where, you know, younger guys, they come in, but they have a personality and they know what they want to do. Yeah. And I like that. Manchester you need. Yeah, but you need to be able to manage that, and that's what he does well. You know, I think he 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 knows like when to put an arm around you uh, uh, for those younger players, but also when to yeah. you know tell you like, yo, you're not doing this or this or this. So I think um, he knows how to adapt to the players' personalities, but also you know every game plan there is a different plan. Tactically, is very strong, so that's also like an important. Thing in the league that if you're tactically very strong in this league, I think you can get very far. Yeah, tactically, he's absolutely brilliant. When we talk about tactics, this is the last one for me. You look at Chelsea, and I think you're competing for the Premier League title. You're in the knockout stages of the Champions League. It's not going to sure. be monumental steps. It's going to be one little thing. What what What's the one thing as a team that you guys talk about that think, if we can do this, this will put us over the edge, over the line? I think resilience, Tim. Resilience, yeah. Because, you know, when we play against those tough physical opponents like us I remember the game at West Ham recently where it was we were not as resilient Burnley at home you know physical opponent draw again uh, Watford we won but it was a battle you know so uh, I think if we add that resilience to our game yeah bro like we can fight until the end for sure Obviously, you know, you, you have to win the di- against the, you have to beat the direct opponents. But also, like, in those games, you have to realize that the approach has to be like a final every single game. That's what I, that's what I realized um, from last year, you know, winning a title, obviously, in another country. But every game is a final because the other teams are chasing. And that's what happened to us. We didn't win a couple of games. Boom, boom. We went from first to third like that. It happens quick. So now yeah. we, it happens quick, bro. It happens quick. And now we have to chase. But those teams are on the roll. So now we have to make sure that we don't lose and then wait for that moment until they drop points. But then also, like, when we have, like, the direct game against each other, we have to make sure we win. Those are going to be those are gonna be massive clashes. Rom, listen, I appreciate sure. your time. I miss you. You and I will talk you too, bro. But thanks for your time and insight. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for the love. Always.
Tottenham remain unbeaten in five since Antonio Conte took over in the Premier League. Sitting seventh with a bunch of games in hand as well as we watch Young Min Son make his way off the field. We mentioned, I mentioned there, the Yogo Jota penalty claim that no doubt we'll hear from Klopp in his post-match interview and we will have a look at it in just a tick. But that was not the only talking point of this game because there were two moments... Harry Kane on Andy Robertson, first half. They've got a yellow, not a red, Robbie. And then we're going to compare it to Robertson on Royale, who got a red. This is the Harry Kane one. It's the first half. He's committed to the challenge, Rebecca. But it's a dangerous challenge. And when you see here that the studs are up, and he goes over the ball. Now, he gets a yellow card for this. And in this instance, the referee doesn't go over to the monitor to have a look at things. Kane gets a yellow card. Klopp, quite rightly, is furious with the referee. And that stood into the second half, Andrew Robertson, the game at 2-2 with a challenge on Royale. Now again, referee gives the yellow card for a, a really poor challenge. But then on this occasion, he is asked by VAR to go and have a look. And when he looks at it and he sees the pictures we see, Robertson doesn't get any of the ball. And he endangers the safety of an opponent. And he changes his card to a straight red, which I have no problem with the Robertson red. My problem becomes with, with the Kane one. And there were two... Poor challenges, for me, should get the same action. They both should have been red card offences. When you see them like that, side by mm -hmm. side, it's any wonder they get frustrated when there's a lack of consistency with VAR and yeah. the refs. Well, a lack of consistency for me is simply this. If Robertson's tackle is bad enough that ref, the referee, Paul Cheney, has to go over to the monitor and look at it, mm -hmm. then 1,000% Kane's tackle warrants going over and looking at the monitor, mm -hmm. and he didn't. So for me, that's where the inconsistency is. If either of those were a red card, it, it's Harry Kane's. And it's the job of VAR, Chris Kavanagh yeah, in this case, absolutely. back at base, to say to Paul Tierney, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just go and have a look at the Kane challenge, yeah. right? So, the VAR is telling the referee correct. on the field to take a look. And come and have a look, see what you think. Do you agree this is a red card? Because we're saying it's a, possi a possible red for Harry Kane. But that didn't happen. And I don't know if it's lack of communication or what, or whether Tim's suggesting maybe the reputation of Harry Kane means that he doesn't, he gets away with those situations. That, that's not fair. Well, it looked like Tottenham got away with one there. Did they get away with another moment, the Diogo Jota penalty claim towards the end of the first half that Klopp was so angry about. Well, I thought it was a stonewall penalty. I mean, Jota does so well here, just gets his body across Emerson Royale, and when you see it, again, there's just no contact with the ball. And it's a push in the back, he draws the foul, he sucks him into it, right here is a really good angle. He's in control of the ball. I think that's a penalty. I think it's a clear penalty that, again, the referee got wrong. Rob? Yeah, I'd agree. I think Jot is just getting set to shoot. It comes in. He gets the, the push. It, and it's not sort of shoulder to shoulder. It's in the small of his back. It takes him down. It's a foul anywhere else on the pitch and should have been a penalty kick. You can understand why Klopp yeah. got a yellow card, why he was basically frustrated all Absolutely. game. Because now they're going Changes into Christmas three points mm -hmm. behind City, which just the optics of that, yeah. it just feels... Not great. This Christmas period is so important for this Liverpool team to continue going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Manchester City and staying on, on their shirt tails because we know that Salah and, and Mane are going away to the African Cup of Nations and they're going to lose two great attacking talents. These two points today could be really costly. OK, well, he's back on the score sheet, is Harry Kane, but should he have even stayed the full time on the field? Let's hear now from Tottenham's Kane. Harry, was that quite simply a thunderous game of football? Yeah, it was a, it was a great game to, to be involved in and I'm sure it's a great game to watch as well. Uh, plenty of chances at both ends. You know, we had some, some clear chances that, that we have to do better with, to be honest. Um, 
but yeah, overall it was a, a tough battle against a, a very good side. Um, and uh, it's, it's a point. Obviously, we want to we want to win these games, but that we move move forward to the next one now. Do you think you had enough chances? Of quality that today, really, you should have had all three points. I think so. I think especially when we was one nil up as well. I think we had two clear, clear cut chances. Obviously, Sunny tried to take on the keeper, just got it a little bit wrong, and then the keeper made a great save from Delhi's uh, when Sunny played him in. So, you know, one nil. If we if we score both of those, obviously the game's uh, pretty clear. But um, you're playing against a top side. You have to take your chances, and we had more than enough to win the game. But um, yeah, it weren't to be. We have to look back and see what we can do better. But uh, overall, I thought it was a great performance from the boys, a real hard-working performance. And like I said, against a very good side. First goal at home in the league for you this season. Is that a relief? Or perhaps on another day, could you be going home with a match ball? Yeah, it's obviously, uh, no, it's obviously nice to score. Obviously, it's been a few games since, since I scored, especially here at home in the Premier League. So uh, that was nice. And, um, but for sure, yeah, there was a couple out there that uh, on another day I could have taken. So uh, part and parcel of being a striker, you dust yourself down and, and get ready for the next one. Now, you were booked for the challenge on Andy Robertson. When the tackle was made and the rest coming towards you, in your mind, are you thinking, I could be in trouble here? No, no, definitely not. I thought it was a, a strong tackle, but I thought uh, I won the ball. Obviously, I haven't seen it back, but um, yeah, look, when you're playing against top sides and, and you're fighting for points all over the place, sometimes it's going to be strong tackles. And um, look, if they've obviously checked it, uh, it stayed as a yellow card and, and, and we move on. Would you have understood had it been red? Having no, said, you didn't think, I haven't but... seen it back, but uh, from on the pitch... Um, it didn't feel like it, and then even uh, Andy on the on, on the pitch said, "I oh, just caught my foot." I don't think it was a foul. So uh, obviously, I think sometimes when you slow stuff down in, in football, it makes it look a, maybe a, a worse than what it is. But that's what VAR is there for. So uh, we got on with the game, and like I say, uh, we we look at the positives and, and what we can do uh, in a busy period now. Today was probably the toughest opponent you've had since Antonio Conte came to the club. So it was probably a really good measure of the progress you've made. What would you say? What did we see there? Yeah, I think there's definitely progress. I think um, from obviously uh, the, the performances before uh, Conte was in and, and since, obviously, we've built up a good momentum in the league. We've picked up some good results. But yeah, like you said, today was probably the toughest, toughest game we've had against the, the toughest opponent. Um, but I thought we'd done well. Like I said, we, we created more than enough chances. Um, of course, always disappointing when you can see goals, but after going 2-1 down, it was nice to bounce back as quick as we did. It showed great character and, you know, uh, the boss brings great passion, great energy. We've been waiting for this game for a couple of weeks now, obviously, with, with the games being cancelled. So uh, it was nice to get out there and, and feel, feel that feeling again. You have lots to talk about, but was that quite simply just a fantastic spectacle? Great game of football. <laughs> That's not what I saw. I saw a big fight from my side. So in the first half, a good game of, of, of um, my team. Second half, not exactly as good because I think we felt the intensity um, of the last few weeks and um, the opponent got pretty much like finished warming up after the first half. Let me say it like this. All of a sudden, they, were, they, they looked fresher. Um, yeah, but of course, scoring the second goal is great. Um, conceding the second, not so much. It's a, it's a, a good pass, um, and Ali saved our life in, in similar situations a couple of times because obviously we had we changed we changed um, 
um, complete midfield. These passes should not be that simple, but it happened. And um, and then you need a goalie, uh, offensive-minded goalie. And he was there um, in that moment. He missed the ball, and that's why they can score their second goal. Um, yeah, but there was a lot of other things, obviously, which were pretty influential in this game. Um, but um, some of these questions are probably better to ask Mr. Tierney, you know, what he thinks. Well, if I can ask you first and foremost, Harry Kane's yellow card for you, was it, should have been stronger? It's a bit, yes, definitely. I think, OK, we can, we can say you can give a Robbo a red card. It's not the smartest challenge of his life. That's how it is. Um, but that's definitely a red card. There's no doubt about that. Now people will say, but uh, his leg is in the air, but it's just pure coincidence. And Harry cannot judge that when Robbo's leg is on the ground. Then it's a broken leg, no doubt about that. So there are no two. And now it's a question. Why isn't... So we have an... We are sitting there, and he thinks... Have a look again at the Robertson situation. Fine, that's what he's there for. What, what did he do in, in that situation? And... The penalty situation with Diogo Jota. Mr. Tierney told me he thinks Diogo stops uh, on purpose because he wants the foul. First and foremost, if you want to shoot, you have to stop because you cannot run and shoot in the same moment. It would always be helpful if you would have played football yourself in the past. But when you see the situation back and again, we ask there, where is, where is he stopping? It's just the two players <laughs> clean the six-yard area with um, with two, two challenges against one player and the player's down. And that's, I don't understand that. But in the end, it's fine. The draw is okay and all these kind of things. We are not that crazy that we think we cannot draw at Tottenham. That's, that's fine. Um, but these situations are crucial. Right? They, are, they are decisive situations. So come on, it's a super play. Super play. I think Nabi played a pass. Great vision. First touch, good. And then boom, somebody finish the situation off in a not really football legal way and um, and the ref and the VR doesn't say a word. I have really no idea what what's his problem is with me. Honestly, I have no idea. I have no problem. I think in the beginning I had some I was a bit more emotional during the games, but it's not allowed in a situation like this to be a bit more because I had nothing with Mr. Marin. It was all fine, but he obviously felt I don't know what he felt in that moment and comes over and gives me a yellow card which is fine. But I would have preferred the right decision on on the pitch. Is that the biggest frustration for you, the inconsistency. Which inconsistency? Of the ref? Yeah, 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 of course. But not the of other. course, of course. That's, just, that's how it is. Look, our situation is really, uh, the situation for no football club is easy, but uh, because we have all, the, they come back from, from, from um, quarantine, we have our complete midfield, midfield which played the last few weeks. We have our, we're the best and half in the world in quarantine and all these kind of things. Then we lose our captain um, on match day. Um, all this kind of, it's, not, it's not easy. So you cannot expect now really, that we play the best football game of the season. You have to fight through it and that's what the boys did. I'm really happy with that. Um, but just you need just an objective ref who sees the situations and judges them and not like like opinions. And when he told me that he, he thinks he, st- he he stops on purpose, that's incredible. He had the be- he had the best spot on the pitch. He was eight yards away and doesn't give it to him. I said, how I said, you have to ask him what's his problem is with me. We started the day talking about the difficulty of the situation at the moment with what's going on as well. There's a meeting this week at the Premier League and I believe there's a call as well which involves the managers too. And you also said, look, you know, we'll try and play football, we'll do what we can, we just need a bit of help right That's now. That's how it is. What, what do you need, what would help? What do you need? Of course, we have de-stressed, uh, or what is that, um, with, um, so we play now Wednesday, we play then, I think, Sunday, 
and Tuesday. That's impossible. We don't have the players. We have to. Be, we, have, we need to think about. It can happen probably that we have another case or two. So the players go all in quarantine, and then all of a sudden we can we can play one game, but not the next game. So just we have to think about this. It's not. We cannot just push it all through. We have. We have obviously um, different opportunities. <laughs> First and foremost. Take away the second semi-final of the of the Carabao Cup. Do it away. It's already just play once wherever you want to play it. I don't care if whoever goes there. We are not qualified, obviously yet. Um, but it, that's like it's like oh my god, it's a shadow when you look up front and think oh my god, we play there. And then if you win, then you have to play there as well, and all these kind of things. So and 26 and 28. That's really not. That's not possible. I can say if if we can play through, I don't know. Maybe we wake up tomorrow morning and have a lot of cases and we cannot play anyway. But we would prefer to play. But we need then help with the fixtures. So like you cannot then have a look how they get through this. Today you could see. It's. Uh, I think I'm not sure who said it. Maybe Eddie Howe said it. It's maybe not fair. If some players, some teams lose players and other teams don't lose players. It's a bit of a lottery. Um, and then uh, yeah, again we try everything we can. But then you have to be lucky with with when you get Corona or what. <laughs> because now you have it and your you game is cancelled. Thomas, I saw the bench today, Tuchel from, from Chelsea. Come on. He has to play Kovacic. He comes back from a long-term injury and all these kind of things. It's for us, it's exactly the same. Millie and 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 and, and Navi didn't play for, for ages, 90 minutes. Today, both through. I, I, I don't have to ask them if they are ready for Wednesday. Yeah. Then Tyler Mohotten, he's looked fine, but he had a yellow card. That's why we had to take him off. So in all these things, that's what we are about so there is a big there's a big thing we have all to talk about can we carry on or not but if we carry on we cannot just carry on like usual and think and let's have a look who can play and who cannot play no then the teams who can play need to have help from the schedule so You'd rather try and carry on, but obviously you need help and understanding. I, mean, I see, the, I see the, the, the problem. We have the different problems. I, I know if we, if we don't play anymore and say now we have a break, I'm fine with that as well. That's not my right, issue. Not I, I, no, I'm absolutely fine with that as well. It's just I know the problem. When do you want to play the games? It's not so easy to find now spaces wherever mm-hmm. you can then fit it in there, fit it in for teams who are not in international football. There might be a few spots where you can play, but when you play international football. Um, uh, then, then you are pretty much full until end of May. Um, we said before Corona that it's a bit busy, um, and it's that we just cannot. That people obviously cannot get enough from football or, or, or the, the money they they get. Nobody stepped us a little bit back so far, and now Corona gives us a proper a proper punch and tells us, OK, you cannot carry on like this. And that's um, what we have to consider as well. You and appreciate your time. As always, Jurgen Klopp there with plenty to say. First of all, calling for the second legs of the Carabao Cup, that's the League Cup semi-finals, when those are decided to be cancelled. Like last year, it just became a one-legged semi-final. Also asking for help, chaps, between Boxing Day and the 28th and yeah. those scheduled fixtures. Maybe they can't play both of them. Plus, of course, they've got their quarter-final this coming Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. Do you think interviews like that one with Klopp, like the one with Tuchel we heard this morning, yeah. is going to sway a vote in favour of a break tomorrow? I think it will help. And I think the biggest thing I'm, I'm taking away, Rebecca, from some of the brightest coaches in world football, certainly in, in the Premier League, is they're get, the Premier League are going to have to listen. And, and these teams are going to need help. You know, Jurgen Klopp's talking about, you can train yesterday with Jordan Henderson in your central midfield and you, you set up how you're going to play. This morning, he tests positive and he has to be, be pulled out. This ongoing situation is, is challenging these teams and challenging the players. 
and you know, the safety of the players now starts to come in, in, into, um, into account and we have to be careful what we're doing. Where do you think we are now? Is it gathering momentum, the, the requests mm. to stop the season temporarily? It feels like it, and certainly the, you know, some of the most powerful voices in the coaching ranks are, are speaking strongly about it. Something you just said there, Rob, is, it, yes, tactically you could train with Jordan Henderson and then him not be out today. I also keep thinking about the snowball accumulative effect. He was also training alongside a bunch of healthy players. Mm. They find out in the morning that he has covid what are they going to find out today and tomorrow? And so it continues to snowball. We saw it with Chelsea. They have mm. seven, seven cases. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot. I think voices have to be heard. And I think it's going to be a very, very difficult decision for the Premier League. I yeah, do. Because you don't always test positive immediately. No. Sometimes yeah. the symptoms take a while. Sometimes you don't actually test positive until yeah. the day after. Like you say, it's cumulative. Yeah. Every day, as Tuchel said, there's another sure. positive case. I just want to have another quick look at the Jota penalty. Because he yeah. did talk about mm. Paul Tierney saying, yeah. Robbie, uh, Jota stopped. Yeah, well... <laughs> I didn't quite get that, if that's what the referee did say. Where I mean, does he stop? He's trying to set to, to take a shot better. So he's looking to plant his, his right leg and hit the ball with his left. And as he's trying to do that here, he gets pushed over in the back. And so I can absolutely see why Jurgen Klopp's fuming with that because... One, it would it possibly change, changes the game and, and missed out big opportunity. And just the last point on this. When you saw Klopp and Tierney talking there at the end, Tierney absolutely, Paul Tierney, did not want to talk to Jurgen Klopp. And you said something to us while we were watching that. You said it's very frustrating as a player, as a manager, when referees just don't want to hear what you're... Mm-hmm. And especially the same when Andrew Robinson went off the pitch yeah. as well when he was sent off. He just wants to talk yeah. and wants to be heard, correct? Correct. The best referee I, 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 ever, I ever had was Howard Webb. He, he understood... Players just want to speak. They just want to vent. They, they want to be a voice. Yeah. The emotions for managers and players are so extremely high mm. that when they get told, go away, yeah. walk away, it, it makes them start to fume even more. They just want to be heard. They want to have their points heard. And, and in this situation, he's right. So, so Paul Tierney should listen, actually. And there's a way to also say go away. Sometimes it, it, it's so dismissive, like, don't talk to me. I'm the referee. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you're Jurgen Klopp, you're manager of Liverpool Football, but you think you've been undone. At least have a conversation mm. with the guy. Yeah, nothing wrong with talking. Not Absolutely. Exactly. Communication. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.